0: We put a lot of emphasis on reading and writing, but we give short shrift to listening and speaking.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, as you know, a few years ago, well actually more like five years ago, we updated our logo for the, what,
0: fifth time? Yes. And we added the tagline.
1: Yeah. And I like that tagline. Listen, speak, read, write, think, directives.
0: Let's do this. Yeah. It was the result of the talk that I did uh, around that time. I came up with it called the Four Language Arts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that became the theme for a lot of things. Tagline, Magalog title,
1: mm-hmm. Arts of Language.: This Arts podcast, language.
0: this podcast, mm-hmm. because we're going to start with Listening.: Listening, which is the first.: Yes, of the five. Of I mean, there's the four plus the fifth, the quintessential. Right.: right. Yeah. Well, listening. Mm-hmm. Is it important?
1: I think every mother would say, absolutely, how can I get my kid to listen to me? And teachers. And teachers want their students to listen to them, absolutely. Sure,
0: we, we have a belief that if we can listen, we can learn better, more easily.
1: Well, yes.
0: And not only that, it helps us with everything else we want to do, especially in the area of arts of language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I, when I first came to this idea it was the result of a conversation i was having with the superintendent of a school district in eastern washington and i said in that conversation i don't like the term language arts Mm -hmm. because it's it's broadly used Mm -hmm. and and it usually conjures up kind of a long list of not nice things so when you say language arts you immediately start thinking of phonics and reading and comprehension and then handwriting and spelling and composition and grammar and public speaking and who knows what else. A lot of which we have products that support the teaching of those exact things. Right. But the the term is just not mm-hmm. pleasant mm-hmm. for me, at mm-hmm. least. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I shared with him. I, I don't like the term. Right. And his response was, well, that's because you don't know what they are. And so I took kind of a humble pill there and said, well, okay, what are they? And and he said, well, in a more classical sense, there's four of them. And they are listening, speaking, reading, and writing. And, and then he said something that resonated with me very clearly. He said, and the latter two are predicated on the former two.
1: So writing and reading require a good foundation in listening and speaking. Exactly. Hmm.
0: And then he pointed out the thing that caused me to realize how smart he actually was. He mm-hmm. said, one of our problems in the in the schools is that we, we put a lot of emphasis on reading and writing, but we give short shrift to listening and speaking. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, we can test. We can assess reading and writing. Mm-hmm. So we teach to the test, but we can't easily assess and therefore do not attend to the teaching of listening and speaking.
1: So... Can you actually teach someone how to listen?
0: Well, that's the question. And that's and what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> here to talk about it. You know, I don't know teach so much as cultivate. Mm-hmm. Um, nurture might mm-hmm. be another word. One thing that's very interesting about the word listen um, or the gerund listening is that we have another word that is similar in meaning but not quite. It's analogous but not an exact synonym And that would be hear. Right. Hearing. Mm -hmm. We have both of these words, and they have a slightly different nuance. Hear. Well, we all hear. Everybody hears. Unless you're hearing impaired or deaf, Mm -hmm. you can't not hear. Mm -hmm. You hear all the time, whether you want to or not. Right. And I'm sure we've all been in situations where we kind of wished that. Yes. uh, We had the ability to close our ears Mm -hmm. in the same way we have the ability to close our eyes. but. For some reason, God in his wisdom did not give us that ability. Right. So we're always hearing, and it's kind of accidental,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Did you hear that? It's mm-hmm. it's accidental. Mm-hmm. Whereas the word listen, it's much more of a kind of transitive, an active verb. You mm-hmm. listen for something. You listen to something. Mm-hmm. It It indicates intentionality. Right. And so why do we have these two words? Well, there must be a reason. We don't really have to cultivate hearing skills because that's just a natural brain function. But we do think of cultivating listening skills, which would involve what? Well, at its basic level, hearing something and not hearing something else. Right. right? So focus filtering, perhaps.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, even as you're saying this right now, I'm thinking of what it's like for me shopping in a grocery store. You know, the announcements where they give, you know, I need help on aisle five or clean up on aisle two and stuff. I can't not hear
0: those. I
1: am listening for those because... You worked? I worked in a grocery store and I was trained to listen to those. So you have
0: an instinctive tendency to rush over to aisle two and clean up a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Or stay off of aisle two (laughs)
1: because I know it's there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, because we, we filter based on our environment and our experience. And, of course, when it comes to language, mm-hmm. right, listening to language, there are some clear steps that we can take with mm-hmm. our children, with our students, to help cultivate more attentive listening. And the most important result of that, I believe, is building the language database yeah. from which everything else becomes possible. Right. I so, mean, When you think about it, a child is extremely unlikely in fact, almost all of us are extremely unlikely to speak a word or a combination of words that we have not first listened to, mm. that we haven't taken in auditorily. Mm-hmm. So listening is the foundation, essentially, of our speaking ability.
1: Right. A- and therefore, every everything related to language arts. Everything
0: related to it. Reading. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think there would be a huge connection between reading and listening, mm. But when you're reading, you think about it. What are you doing? Essentially, you're decoding words and saying them to yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you have to hear what you said to yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to recognize that word as you hear yourself say it to yourself Mm -hmm. in order to know what you're reading. Right. You can't just watch the words go by.
1: Well, sometimes. (laughs) But But not with any comprehension. To to
0: understand what you're reading. Right. So when you see a word, Mm -hmm. especially, and this is more true the younger you are, but when you see a word, you actually have to pre-know that word Mm. in order to decode it and comprehend it successfully. I always use the example of the word slay, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you're a little kid and you're reading and you see this word and you try to use your word attack and phonics skills. So you say Slega Sligha <laughs> There is no such thing as a sliga, <laughs> Therefore that cannot be Sligha, it must be something else. Mm-hmm. So you stare at it a while longer and then you have that epiphany moment. Ah oh, that is one of them A sounds, mm-hmm. that E I G H like in eight and and way. So this word must be. Slay mm-hmm. And you decode it. Mm-hmm. Now, that only helps. It only works if you already know what a sleigh mm-hmm.
1: is. And if you sing Jingle Bells, you know what it is.
0: If you s- learn Jingle Bells or if you've heard a book mm-hmm. where someone read and contained the word sleigh in context mm-hmm. – Or maybe you had some life experience. You live in a far and remote, cold, awful place where they still use sleighs. (laughs) Or you saw a fake sleigh with a fake Santa in a mall. But you must have some context Mm -hmm. for that word. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, looking at it on the page and saying sleigh doesn't mean anything. And it might as well be a sleigh. (laughs) (laughs) So, So when children are reading, if they haven't heard the word, at least... A little bit mm-hmm. in a context that gives that word meaning, they won't have the comprehension when reading it. Right. And then, of course, with with writing, that's very much dependent on everything. But it's still that same thing where you have to say something to yourself and hear what you said to yourself and hold it in your mind long enough to write it down. Mm-hmm. So everything is dependent really on listening and hearing the language and building the database in that way.
1: Okay, so what we're talking about today then is the foundation for everything. Oh my goodness, we better find out how <laughs> do we do this. And I'm, I'm thinking of the talk, and of course I know you are too, Cultivating Language Arts Preschool Through High School. So I would like just to hear your tips on helping each of those five categories, preschool, primary, Elementary, sure, middle school, sure. high school. How can we help those students at any age become better listeners? Starting with preschool, I'm particularly interested in this. You as are. you know,
0: you are. Well, it's it's interesting because we're all about language, but I'm going to start with music. Okay. And you know my background. I spent you know the first 15 years of my adult life as a full as a full time. Violin and kinder music teacher. Mm-hmm. So I studied this a lot. And what has been very interesting uh, moving into this world of teaching writing and language stuff is the similarities, the parallels, mm. and how listening to music is really the very first step in helping children do the most important thing in understanding language, which is differentiating tones. Mm. Oh right? sure. Okay. So language is pretty much just tones, mm-hmm. right? Soft tones, harsh tones, long tones, chop tones, going up tones, going down down tones. And if you didn't know the language I was speaking, for example, mm-hmm. if I said "hahoya," 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 you would have no idea. That wouldn't be a word to you. It would be
1: a song, a kind repetitive, of, yeah.
0: tonal sequence, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But of course, if I held a pencil. Oh, right, mm-hmm. and I said "hoya, hoya," and showed you the pencil every time I did that. Mm-hmm. You would very quickly get the idea that a "hoya" is a pencil, mm-hmm. although it is not in any language I am aware
1: of. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were speaking a tonal language like Jap- no, not no, Japanese. No, no. I mean, um, it, may, it might be Chinese, Chinese, Chinese but but what I,
0: my point is is that it's connecting the concept mm-hmm. with the tonal structure mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. creates language. And then it's that ability to differentiate increasingly subtle differences in tone that allows us to expand our vocabulary. And it's vocabulary that allows rational thought. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, one uh, dramatic example, I think most people have seen one or more versions of Helen Keller's story, Hmm. The Miracle Worker. And you remember, what was that moment where Helen... Got it. Where Annie broke through?
1: That's what they do with the water. Water, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: she was able to make the letters mm-hmm. in her hand mm-hmm. for water, and connect that that symbolic mm-hmm. idea with the reality of water, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the moment of mm-hmm. breakthrough where then Helen Keller was able to understand words have meaning Mm -hmm. and words are constructed with letters. Mm -hmm. And of course, she went on to be, you know, multilingual and write brilliant stuff and give speeches in public and all sorts of incredible things. So in the world of music education, uh, we have noticed that children who have good exposure to the right kind of music at Mm -hmm. a young age, Mm -hmm. generally tend to benefit from that in all areas as Mm -hmm. well, because that's tone in its simplest form. Mm -hmm. So what I've been encouraging parents and grandparents Grandparents. (laughs) of young children is to do focused listening. This is something we talked about a lot in early childhood Mm -hmm. education. And it's a little different than what we get in daily life, which mm-hmm. kind of for many is random listening. Mm. It's whatever music you bump into on a YouTube video or at the supermarket or this, you know, the song that mom plays or whatever. Instead, focus listening would be a short period of time using probably um, instrumental. I would recommend not vocal, but instrumental. Mm-hmm. Probably an excerpt of some great piece from some great composer and you don't have to have much knowledge of music appreciation or composers to do this if Mm -hmm. you just if you know the name of the composer and he's dead (laughs) it's probably good (laughs) in fact you can just you know do a search Mm -hmm. for you know greatest hits of bach or mozart Mm -hmm. And then find a small little excerpt, maybe just a couple minutes to Mm -hmm. start, and play that same little excerpt every day Mm. or maybe several times spread throughout the day Mm -hmm. for, say, a week. So that child can hear the same two or three minutes Mm -hmm. of that great piece of music, you know, five, 10, 15 times in one week time. And, of course, several things will happen. One is they will start to anticipate it coming. Right, and of course, we know that familiarity yes. um, creates anticipation. If mm-hmm. I start saying a poem and you know this poem, you're waiting for the next part. If mm-hmm. I start singing a song, you're waiting for the next part. Uh, this actually is kind of a principle of working with severely language delayed children, mm-hmm. you know, brain injured children who have a, a real significant problem is to to use the same little poem again and again, and then. Leave off the last word because they are anticipating it and they will want to fulfill it by completing the poem. Okay. And so you can create some very rudimentary imitation based language skills. Mm-hmm. But with music, uh, even more is happening. It's sensitizing them to uh, the differentiations in tone, which then accelerates their ability to differentiate in language. It is um, building a pattern and recognition. Uh, and if it's something that's good and, and beautiful, mm-hmm. then it's also nourishing their spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could, the next week, choose maybe the next little section of mm-hmm. that same piece or uh, a section of a different piece. You could mm-hmm. maybe do composer a month. Oh, I like that, and, yeah. And have a Bach month and a Beethoven month and a mm-hmm. Mozart month and a Handel month and then start over with another Bach month. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking just small right. little excerpts. Right. And then encourage the child, you know, as possible, to maybe close close his or her eyes. Mm-hmm. Don't do something else. Mm-hmm. Just listen.
1: Focused listening. Because yeah. part
0: of listening is not doing something else, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. oftentimes, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience. I'm doing something. My wife says something. And then I realize she was talking to me. And then I have to stop what I'm doing and say, I'm sorry, but I didn't hear what you said. Mm-hmm. And then I have to not do something Mm -hmm. that might distract me from hearing what she wants me to hear. So part of developing listening skills is isolation. Mm -hmm. It's not doing something else. So Mm -hmm. with young children, this is a very good thing.
1: Mm, Very good thing, yeah.
0: Yeah. Then uh, as children get older, Mm -hmm. you can increase the length of time. So preschool time. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so that's one, I think, very important thing. And I don't think... We're likely to accidentally do that well. We're, we're likely to accidentally have music in the environment, mm-hmm. but not with the focus and the repetition that gives it the real right. power right. of connecting those neurons and creating an affinity.
1: So are there any other strategies you would recommend for developing listening skills in preschoolers, oh, or ab- can we go on to primary? No,
0: no, absolutely, Pre- because, of course, you know, the, the brain is growing faster. Yes. During the first six years or so mm-hmm. of life, than it ever will mm-hmm. at any other time. Right. In fact, some estimates are you make eighty some percent of all the neural connections you will make in your entire life in the first six seven years.
1: Wow. So well, I better get busy with my granddaughter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, you know everything is new and exciting mm-hmm. and, and rich, but uh, language. Mm-hmm. You know, Suzuki noted. Everyone has noted that it is a, a high sensitivity time. Mm-hmm. for acquiring nuanced language. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we do those things which parents have always done to their, with their children at that age. We read them picture books. This is uh, an interesting observation with picture books. Children will be very happy to hear the same book again and again oh, yes. and again and again. Mm-hmm more times than you can be happy reading it, Mm -hmm. sometimes back to back. And why is that? Why do children want to hear that same story and see those same pictures and hear those same words? Mm -hmm. Because it's feeding them. Mm -hmm. It's feeding them intellectually because the more they know the story, the more they can anticipate, the more they can enter in in an imaginative way. Mm -hmm. But likewise, when they hear the same words being said in the same way, M- again and again with repetition, mm-hmm. they start to memorize little patterns of words. Mm-hmm. And they start to anticipate patterns of words. And sooner or later, some of those very patterns will come out in their speech. And so uh, the repetition is hugely valuable, mm-hmm. and they are naturally wired for this. Mm-hmm. So in a, natu- in a normal environment with a parent or a grandparent and a 2 or 3, 4 or 5-year-old child, And you have an abundant supply of children's books uh, and hopefully some classics like Blueberries for Sal and Ping, Mm -hmm. right? And you just keep reading those again and again and again and again. That's actually helping them anticipate, therefore focus. The pictures help them focus, help them hear and imagine. Mm -hmm. And the syntax and vocabulary are developing in a wonderful way in a much – More solid way than would be perhaps if you never read the same book twice. Right. And you always had new books. Uh, Fortunately, nobody's rich enough to always have new books. You always have a set of books, and usually within that set, maybe you've got a hundred, there's the ten favorites that get read ten times as many as the others. So uh, that, of course, has been done for, you know, I think as long as there were children's books Mm -hmm. in any form available, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, the tradition of nursery rhymes and poems and songs. Mm -hmm. Um, I began teaching kinder music in 1990, and there was already quite a bit of research at that point to show Mm -hmm. uh, that the culture of nursery rhymes and little songs that parents used to sing to their children was was leaving. Mm. It was disappearing from American homes, mm. and and one of our goals in as a kinder music teacher and as, as part of the movement of early childhood music and movement was to um, restore right. that relationship and culture of a parent bouncing a child on his or her knee mm. and saying "trot trot" to "London Town" and and all of those mm-hmm. things that were almost universally known and done,
2: mm-hmm.
0: probably until the the modern technology yeah. invaded the home in mm. a, a fairly aggressive and, and abrupt manner. Yep. So we would uh, you know bring parents and three and four year olds well actually we started with eighteen months to three years old and then three to four, four to five, five to six. And we would bring parents in with these, you know, toddlers yes. basically and preschool children and teach the moms and dads sometimes how to use repetition doing motions and nursery rhymes and little songs and what we might call ditties right right mm-hmm. um with their children at home mm-hmm. that was the whole purpose of the class was to teach the mom or parent what to do right. at home to restore this musicality both rhythm and tone but also song and language mm-hmm. i love that so uh, you know, Kinder Music and there's others. There's Music Garden. There's uh, Sing with Me. There's a, quite a number of different programs that parents could look into mm-hmm. uh, if they are interested in a in a class-like experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people um, are fortunate enough to have had parents who did that type of thing uh, and sang songs and did nursery rhymes mm-hmm. with children. But I mean, the least thing you could do is just get a book of Mother Goose. Yes. One of my uh, favorite books that I've ever read was written by a man named John Senior. And in it, he made a very interesting observation. He said, you must have a foundation of nursery rhymes, right, to love Willie Shakespeare. Hmm. Willie. (laughs) You know, because it's some of that same rhythm Mm -hmm. and structure, that Mm -hmm. iambic pentameter feeling that comes out later. Mm -hmm. And that's set mainly through listening and repeating at a very young age. Mm -hmm okay,
1: wow, that's a lot for preschool, primary, what would you add to it?
0: Well, you're obviously going to move away from the simple picture books Mm -hmm. and be reading books that um, maybe have fewer pictures, Mm -hmm. chapter books. Mm -hmm. Those are going to require a longer attention span. They're going to cultivate that ability to listen for longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And parents, of course, you know, some have the habit and tradition of of reading bedtime stories right. to elementary age children, mm-hmm. uh, some don't, uh, which I think is is kind of sad. I remember with great fondness, you know, the bedtime story part of of the evening ritual. In mm-hmm. fact, it seemed like it just wasn't possible to go to sleep without a bedtime story. Right. Uh, and yet again, that culture is kind of kind of dying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to do that, I think teachers in schools. You know, if they could just steal 10, 15 minutes a day and start reading a chapter book to their children in second, third, fourth grade, Mm -hmm. uh, that would have huge benefits. Mm -hmm. They would be fairly intangible. You couldn't test them in the same way you could test reading comprehension. But like Dr. Sully mentioned to me so long ago, if we don't cultivate that greater attentiveness through listening, Mm -hmm. we won't see it come Right. In independent reading as well, uh, I think it's great if you can continue with music, mm-hmm. uh, exposing children to uh, broader uh, styles, uh, going to you know some dress rehearsals which are usually free, mm-hmm. or concerts if you can afford them. H- having them fall in love with what is is good and beautiful. in in terms of a more classical, pure music Mm -hmm. sense, Mm -hmm. they won't bump into that in daily life too often. Right. But you can create opportunities. Um, I have a grandson who is almost five. And uh, last time I saw him, he said, Grandpa, do you want to listen to the 1812 Overture? (laughs) And I said, "Sure, let's canons do it." And, all. <laughs> and so um, his mom got out the YouTube, and we wa- we watched mm-hmm. on YouTube uh, an orchestra performing. Mm-hmm. And he he sat there and listened to the whole thing, mm-hmm. waiting, of course, for the canons and right. all. Uh, <laughs> but she's managed to cultivate in him this uh, wonderful appreciation. For good and great music Mm -hmm. by using technology in the way that it can bring Mm -hmm. uh, high quality performance and content into the home, Mm -hmm. which would have been very difficult, you know, when I was five years old. You actually had to go to the music center and sit there and try not to move around too much and make noise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm looking forward to when I can try to take him to a live performance of one of the pieces that he has come to love. So expanding the listening, both on the length and complexity of the books as well as the music side. And then, you know, that's the age at which kids are more interested in conversation. Okay. Right? They want to ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any questions, they'll, they'll ask you more questions. So you try to ask them questions. Oh. And, and so just in the dialogue of listening and speaking to each other, in kind of a, you know, a, a focused way, not not necessarily a limited way, but without distraction mm-hmm. with the purpose. I think a lot of this can happen, you know, while driving. Mm-hmm. Driving is kind of fun with children. It can be fun. It can also be miserable. But, um, you know, I, I like to drive for a long time uh, with my 7-year-old grandson because he just loves to tell stories and listen to stories, mm-hmm. and he'll always say, "Grandpa, do you know any stories?"
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And if I say, "Oh, I can't really think of any," he I know the story." <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, nice.
0: And and of course, at a certain age, and and that kind of depends just on maturity and and uh, technology that's available. Uh, they can start listening to audiobooks, okay, as well, right? And uh, boy, I know my my grandsons, uh, both the five and the seven year old, they will. Devour mm-hmm. audiobooks and, you know, play, play with Legos and listen to audiobook for right. for an hour or two hours or three right. even.
1: So this is a little different than the focused listening. It's okay for them to be listening to these books while they're doing something else.
0: Yes, because uh, I think we've all had that experience when our hands and eyes are kind of busy mm-hmm. uh, but not doing anything that requires a tremendous amount of attention. Right. We can still – Listen to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's easier for them to listen to what's going on if their hands are busy.
1: Yes, that's absolutely true. and That was true for my ADHD Mm -hmm. son. I
0: actually have sometimes people come to my seminars or come Mm -hmm. to a conference talk Mm -hmm. and pull out their their knitting or crocheting. And they'll do that while I'm giving my talk. And I know that they know that they actually can listen better because their hands are busy doing something. Uh, Then, you know, I think talking about middle school and high school, one of the mistakes that it is easy for us to make is to kind of stop reading to children out loud when they read on their own. Mm -hmm. And especially in a large family, it's kind of easy to favor the younger children. Oh, you can read. Oh, great. You can go do Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe to yourself. And that will free me up to do Ping and the beautiful Yangtze River one more time with the four-year-old. But I, I would argue it's actually when children start to read more independently, that's the time when it is most important to read to them at a level above their own comprehension mm-hmm. because they'll read what they can read, but they won't read something they can't read, mm-hmm. right? If it's too hard, too many long words, too small a print, not enough pictures, you can read that and then it's not so hard and as you're reading, if there's a word – that is unfamiliar, you can stop and define that. Mm-hmm. If there's a person or a place mentioned, you can stop and kind of put that in context, mm-hmm. give a little historical information. If there's an idiom or an illusion that might be unfamiliar to the child, mm-hmm. you can stop and kind of explain that. And what is that? That's called creating understanding. Right. That's that's creating under comprehension. Right. And uh, I, I do feel that if we wanted to solve the reading comprehension problem in schools all over the country or world, the most important thing we could do is to restore a culture where people read aloud together to each other, parents to children, parents to teachers, older children to younger children.
1: We would be remiss if we did not mention in this podcast— Our dear friend, Sarah McKenzie.
0: We would be remiss with the Read Aloud (laughs) Revival and her book, The Read Aloud Family. Yes.
1: And she has so many book recommendations for all ages of children. I think mostly with a goal of reading them out loud to your children. Mm-hmm. That's her whole Yeah, she, she
0: heard my talk once upon a time mm-hmm. and just lit a fire under her that is, mm-hmm. knows no bounds now. Yeah. She's, it's so wonderful. She's just reaching hundreds and hundreds of thousands, mm-hmm. maybe millions of mm-hmm. parents with this uh, vitalizing message. Because yeah. truly, in my experience, that is the number one predictor of being a competent and confident writer as an adult is having been read to out loud. As a child, right So
1: So that brings us full circle. Listening is the foundation for good writing.
0: Yeah, and wow. everything in between. Wow, which we will talk about next time. Yes, we will. All Thank right. you, Andrew.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.